Hello everyone, you're listening to Art Town podcast series. This podcast visions to inspire artists with insights of creative individuals and aims to plunge into their imaginations. We dig deep into the minds, motivations and aspirations of some of the truly interesting people and share these conversations with you every Friday. If you're someone who's intrigued by art and seeks inspiration to chase your passion, this is the podcast for you. very special guest in today's episode. He is someone who is intensely passionate about art. He puts his heart and soul out in every sculpture and believes that making art is a dedication to creation. He is Peter Bremers for you guys. He is a glass sculptor, an avid traveler and most importantly an artist who is on a spiritual quest to give his vision of beauty to the world. Converting his personal experiences of ice in both polar regions and the canyons of North America he has created masterpieces with blown and cast glass so without further ado let's listen to peter premers brought to you on this podcast welcome to art town podcast series sir uh, it's a pleasure to have you on board thank you Yeah so I hope you're doing well and you're in good health. Um so uh, for for to start with could we begin with you telling us a little bit of your background and how you got into sculptures and three dimensional art? Well that's actually quite a story because I'm 63 years old so <laughs> I've had a long career. Um basically I'm from Maastricht is a town in the Netherlands an old town. Um I went to the university to study interior design and I figured out after 6 weeks that I was definitely not going to do interior design but I really liked to do 3D sculpture so um I chose sculpture but I thought the the actual courses were kind of most of them were kind of what's the word i would say um a little antiquated a little well in my opinion you know that it was still we had to do 16 hours every week of uh, portrait and nude drawing as well as claying you know and and for me i was not interested in figurative work i wanted to do abstract and i wanted to work in steel and uh, acrylic and other materials so not clay i still don't like clay you know Anyway, um I worked hard but as I was a bit of an obnoxious young kid, I didn't really follow all the all the rules and um after 4 years I was actually sent away. They actually said we, you know, you you should go your own way and not be um not be on on this school, this academy. So that's exactly what I did. And it it just to prove to them that I was ambitious and that I had some talent, um I decided to have a one night, one evening exhibition in my hometown. And at the time I was making light objects. And I've been doing light objects 
from the first year I was in Article, I just didn't tell them, you know, because when I showed one, one lamp that I made, when I showed it to my teacher, he said, if you want to do lights, then you better go and study interior design. And I thought, no, that's not what I want. <laughs> so um, basically, uh, my, my very first exhibition was in 1980, the year that I left the academy. And um, after that, you know, the rest is kind of history. I mean, I, I made my lights and in 1986, I saw for the first time, I saw somebody blow glass. And I saw that hot, gooey stuff at the end of a blowpipe. And I thought, that is so intriguing. That's so interesting. I want to work with that. And uh, that's how my interest for glass kind of started. Beautiful. You have, you've had a wonderful journey so far, I feel. And you've done amazing work with outdoor sculptures, some commission projects and installations, all with glass. And even when I checked your profile, the first question that popped up in, your mi in my mind was that, uh, why, why did you choose glass? Like, what special connection do you feel with glass rather than other materials? Well, like I just told you, um, when I saw somebody use glass, hot glass, at the end of a pipe, it was actually glowing. And I, I looked at it and I, to me it was like liquid light. But at the time my, my lamps, my light sculptures, I mean you can still see some of them on, I think, on my website. My, uh, my lights were um, kind of constructed and I used marble and wood and plexiglass and copper and all kinds of different materials. And uh, when I saw that liquid gooey glass that was radiating light, I just thought, if I can work with that, maybe I can transform, you know, make sculptures that, that, that play with light, which I already did, by the way, because I, I used to make my prisms and lenses from acrylic. So, but, but just to see a material that basically is liquid and that you can shape, and if you allow it to cool, it just stays in that shape. That to me was very exciting, very interesting. But like anybody who, who starts working with blowing glass or hot glass, they will, they will immediately get frustrated that as soon as the glass is cold, most of the light is gone. You know, but in a way, I am still, I feel strongly that I'm still working with light whenever I work with glass. You know, so my, my, my sculptures to me, my glass sculptures are still light objects too. Yeah, you, I, I've checked all your work on the website and I think it's, it's beautiful, like... And I've also noticed that with each sculpture or installation, you have this uh, backstory associated with it. Like maybe uh, the ones that I checked are looking beyond the mirror or the seven bodies uh, project that you did. So how do you come up uh, with these ideas and create the magic with glass? Ah, that's a good question. I mean, art is life. 
you know, but art is also that what you don't see. Art is also the the magical, the hidden, the... Um, art is a communicator. Art, art is, is a way for the artist to reach out to his public. So you speak through your art. You don't speak with words. If I then I would be, you know, I would be a storyteller or I would write or I would dance, you know. I mean, all the different mediums mm -hmm. have a different shape, a different uh, uh, techniques. And, and, and to me, anything that is, that is interesting in life, anything that is important in life um, can be a form of uh, of inspiration, you know. Uh, life itself is inspiration, but to me, art is also very spiritual and it's very personal. So, my perception of life and of the world and of me in it and how I want to communicate and what I want to put into my sculptures is 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 a personal story for me it's a development it's an ongoing you know book with every day you open another page and that like like every day at the end of the day even if it was a dull day you know just just having a dull time can still be a source of inspiration because that quietness that almost meditative moment where you are just quiet with yourself and your thoughts uh, can give great insights and, and great ideas can come from that, you know. So dull is, is not necessarily boring. I mean, boring is boring, but dull is not necessarily boring, you know. Yeah, I get it. It's a beautiful approach, I feel. And uh, you also have said that making of art is a dedication to creation. So I really wanted to know what do you mean when you say that? Like, what what is art to you? When I say making art is, is a dedication to creation, our world is creation, our universe is creation. Our thoughts, our ideas are creation. You know, when you think something, you're already creating. You can write it down and, and put it in words, but you can also paint it or draw it or dance it, you know. Uh, so we are creating continuously. But if we create with consciousness and we are aware of the fact that what we're doing um, is valuable, at least it's valuable to you yourself, you know, um, because it's it's about you recognizing what is important in your life and putting that in some kind of form, even if it's just thought. You know, for me, thought can be form. So when I look at my idea of God, I would say it is creation. So creation in itself is the source of everything. And everything that we create goes to that huge cloud of creation. <clears throat> so um, 
I am not a religious person in that sense, but I am a spiritual person. And for me, creation is the highest honoring of anything that you could call the divine. You know, but you, 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 but you cannot do only the celestial. So you have to do the profane as well. Because we are on this planet, we are in this life. We're, we're not somewhere in, in, in a cosmic, you know, we're not a, we are a cosmic being, but we're still in this life, in this body, on this earth. Me talking to you right now. You know, that's reality. That is our reality of this moment. And a very beautiful thought that you put forward is creating with consciousness and you have this connect with spirituality always and you seek inspiration from pretty much everything that is around you. So it was a very uh, thought-provoking um, words that you said, I feel. And um, uh, moving on, I think, yeah, I think you also seek inspiration from all your travel, um, like all your travel destinations as well, I feel. And as I read about you, I saw you talking about the tour to the Antarctic and the canyons of North America that you took and how it influenced your artwork at large, which also has been like documented into various books. So could you please share us, uh, share the experience with us? Okay, so uh, yes, you're right. T uh, traveling has always been, for me, a big joy and, and absolutely a source of inspiration. Um, I find visiting new countries, uh, being in touch with new cultures, with people that are of different background, different race, different uh, um, maybe interests, uh, religion, different food, different language, you call it. I find all of that very interesting, very exciting. And I also find the differences in nature uh, one just wonderful so you know i i told you i i made my light objects and then i moved into blown glass and i did that together with a very dear friend of mine uh, neil wilkin in england so at, at, in the beginning i i tried to learn about glass blowing but uh, i never became a good blower i'm 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 a poor assistant at best, but I have deeply studied glass, how it moves, how it likes to uh, find its own shapes. And uh, I think understanding material is, is very important, even if you're not making, you know, if you're not working it yourself. So I work with Neil Wilkin as the master gaffer, master blower in the chair. And then we had a team of six, seven, sometimes eight people to make, uh, especially the larger vessels to blow them. Uh, we needed a, a big team. So using growl technique, I won't go into it because it's very technical, but it allows you to, to make patterns or even drawings in the glass. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, the thing is that I would be able to put my inspiration into these um, blown sculptures or vessel shapes or whatever they are 
But um, when I went to the Antarctic in 2001, uh, I had a bit of an issue when I came back. The first mistake I made was I came back in Holland on Monday and on Saturday I flew to England to start working on all these ideas that I had from going to to the Antarctic, which was so special, such a beautiful, amazing landscape. And I didn't just go on a boat. I went on a square rigged three master. And my favorite my favorite place would be to sit on the bowsprit till the captain told me to get my ass off the bowsprit and get in <laughs> inside. Because the boat was making too much movement and all of that. But I, I loved it so much because I was so close to nature, you know, because when you're on the bowsprit, you go up and down with the boat and the waves. And I had these icebergs, some were huge and some were small. And even the small ones could be so beautiful, you know. So coming back, I I wanted to blow these things, all this these ideas and inspiration and it was the worst week of blowing glass we ever had. It was terrible. And the reason was that I didn't allow for the inspiration to kind of go through my system and, yeah. and to think about everything, you know, and, and, and not just do stuff out of enthusiasm, but also because you... You're actually understanding what you saw. You you made it yours. It's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit like an espresso machine. You put coffee in, you put water in, but then you have to bring up the, the, the pressure. You have to create that pressure. And when the pressure is there, the coffee comes out, but it doesn't come out all at once. It comes out drip by drip by drip. And I hadn't allowed that process of the espresso machine to happen yet. So I didn't touch the subject for six months. We didn't blow anything uh, that was inspired by the Antarctic for six months. Then I felt I was ready to, to work with it. And we made some, I think, some quite successful, quite beautiful um, vessels and, and other shapes also, even even ice, kind of ice shapes, you know, um, from hot glass but I realized after a while that I saw all these beautiful icebergs and I was so inspired by the icebergs and I wanted to make icebergs and I couldn't do it in blown glass uh, but being trained as a sculptor I had no problem to switch material and I started to basically to cut to shape out of blocks of foam these uh, sculptures that could then be taken to the Czech Republic and we would make molds on on my model if you like and uh, fill it with glass put it in the in the oven heat up the glass till it melts and the whole kiln casting process you know so going to the Antarctic was a major major step for me in my in my artistic development. So the first time was from making light objects to understanding that maybe glass blowing could be an interesting alternative. Now I was doing sculptures in kiln casting technique. 
and um, we did. It was very interesting because we we did an exhibition. I had twenty one of these iceberg sculptures, and we did a, a solo show in the gallery. And um, the gallery owner said to me, "You know, how do we?" How do we tell the people who are used to seeing your blown glass that they should now, you know, be interested in, in your cast glass? And we decided to make uh, a little video, which is also on my website, where you actually see me on board of the uh, of the Square Rigged Three Master yeah. bopping on the on the waves and. Um, we send that out to 3,000 collectors and uh, they showed up. I gave a lecture before they were allowed into the gallery. I gave a lecture. We had about 300 people. Um, and uh, well, I, I can't tell you the, the, the emotion that I felt when I saw people walk into my exhibition and uh, just loving the sculptures. People were so, uh, what's the word? They were so taken and so enthusiastic about what was so dear to me, yeah. you know. And uh, we actually, that was my, my first and my only exhibition where I had a sellout. You know, we sold everything within one week. And that was, that was, that to me was uh, uh, fantastic because uh, I, I was I was very successful with the blown glass. People liked my blown glass, but the icebergs had so much more to to say for me. You know, they had there were so many stories behind them, and and uh, sure, the blown glass had stories too. But it, it, this was, I think, it was more understandable for people. So the Iceberg series yeah. was very successful, yes. Yeah, and I think it was successful because you were able to convey your emotions and you were able to make it reach to the hearts of the people, actually. And uh, as you I mentioned, I want to ask a question that when you said that uh, you had a worry or concern that would people accept the new experimental thing that you're doing? So I want to ask that as an artist or as a creator, when you put out uh, something experimental, like you feel a fear that if people can accept it. So do you think that as artists we should experiment or do the things that, that we are doing continuously just to please our audience? It's a very good question. I personally feel that if you just repeat yourself, there's going to be a point in time where you are a technician who is a very good sculptor or painter or dancer or whatever, but because you're just doing the same thing again and again and again, you're no longer making art. Because you're no longer creating from that source of ever-changing inspiration. So if you stop the change in inspiration, to me, you just, 
you just recreate the same thing again and again and again, but you don't create new, you know. Having said that, yeah, having said that, there is, for instance, I, I very much love um, calligraphy. And uh, in, in calligraphy, masters will paint the same calligraphy again and again and again and again, sometimes for 50 years. And the reason they do it is very spiritual. It, it, it's I, especially in Japanese, but also in Chinese and Indian and, and Middle Eastern uh, calligraphy. I think the, the gesture of the calligraphy itself is as important almost as what you're looking at. And to seek perfection in the in the gesture uh, has has become an art form in itself. So it's not becoming a re repetition. What it is is a growing understanding of how you can do it better, more powerful, more poetic, more beautiful. You know. And I would love to take a moment, if you don't mind. To talk about beauty, because, you know, beauty has become a bit of a dirty word in art. Mm. And when we look at contemporary art, much of it is very kind of political. Uh, and uh, that's fine, because I, I think every artist should do what he or she wants to create, you know, what, what feels necessary for them. I personally, I am very dedicated to try to create beauty. And the reason is that to me, beauty is, beauty is something then that can uplift you. And beauty is also something that you can share. And, um, in, within beauty, we are all connected. There was a, this is some decades ago, there was a, uh, an exhibition of Vincent van Gogh's paintings in Japan. So his work was shown in a very different culture. But interestingly enough, it was one of the most successful exhibitions ever in a museum in Japan. And it shows you that the beauty of Van Gogh's paintings was equally well understood in, in Asia as it was in Europe or in America. And I think that is what beauty can do. Beauty can actually bridge continents, bridge cultures, bridge countries, bridge even uh, religions you know, and, and, and races and all of that. And I find that to be very important because I think people are very good in making ugly things. We're extremely good in doing ugly stuff, you know, and, and uh, the world needs beauty. So to me, beauty is what, what really connects us and goes well beyond me, you know, or, or or any artist. I mean, 
Beauty is, is what's left behind when I'm already long gone. You know what I mean? So if, yeah. so if, if some of my work, uh, succeeds in, in actually make creating beauty, then I've done my little share of healing the world. That's, That's how I see that. I must say, and uh, when you say that you want to give your vision of beauty to the world and you want the viewers to feel touched somewhere after looking at your sculptures is what I perceive. So I also want to ask you that what conscious effort do you make to, uh, do you make for your art to affect the viewer or the world? Well, first of all, when I'm in my studio, um, it's my most... It's, it's meditation and action, silence, all of that together. I do listen to music, but I don't talk when I, when I work in the studio. Your art as a meditation to you is a very beautiful thought. Yeah. <laughs> so when you look at a sculpture, a sculpture is a composition, a 3D composition of volumes and lines, maybe color, and when it's glass, also of transparency, you know, and translucency and all of that. There's a lot of aspects to creating a sculpture. And to give you an example, I can do a line in a sculpture and change that line 10 times. But the change is very minimal. It's not, not like I, it's not like when you draw, when you actually can start all over again. Because I'm cutting in the form. So everything that I've done is, is irreversible. I can't, I can't get it undone, you know. But I can change. I can, I can create little changes. And if you understand the idea of a, a strong line or a soft line, then you can, you can play with that. And the same is with the volumes. If you do something here... How does that communicate with something at a lower level, you know? But because it's, you're looking at it from all angles. So when you, I sometimes when I make a, a model, if it's not too big, I will actually lift it up and look from below or I look from above, you know, and, and anywhere I look, the, 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 um, the constellation, the, the, the composition has to be right. You know, so when, when I look at your background, I see these, these colors and the shapes and all that. When they become three-dimensional or like in glass, four-dimensional, you are all of a sudden, you're playing, you know, it's almost like you would take one triangle and the other triangle and you start moving them, you know. Is, is this enough or is this enough? You know, where, where do you stop? Where is the angle the most exciting, the most interesting? Or maybe the most poetic, you know? So there's, there's all of these different characterizations, if you like. So mainly you play with the perception of how the viewers take it. Well, I think, I think beauty, 
beauty can have many, many, many shapes, you know, and, and, and it's also a personal understanding. Like what I think is beautiful, you may not like at all. And, and, and that's okay. You know, that is all a matter of perception and of taste and of understanding. And uh, uh, I am not trying to convince other people that my work is beautiful. It's, it, I can only try to do my best, you know. Uh, so it's, it's an ongoing process and you, you never stop learning. Uh, so I want to ask you that out of so many projects that you've done, which was the most exciting project to date? Like something you're really proud of? Well, there's, there's, there's several. Um, I love the bunnies, yeah. the bunny commission that I did for I've the hotel it. in... in, yeah. in uh, in America, I mean those bunnies. I I still smile when I see them, but they were yeah. they were a big challenge because I'd never made a bunny before, and and uh, I, you know I mean they're six feet, they're six feet long, they're, they're huge, wow. yeah they're big, and uh, I it was a very interesting, exciting project to do, very funny as well, you know because the. The bunnies were actually inspired by the couple who gave me the commission. So, so yeah. Mr. Bunny and Mrs. Bunny are very much oh. kind of an expression of the two people that gave me the commission. So that was that was very uh, that was also for and they're good That's friends. So, so also for me that was a, a special thing to do. Um, I think maybe one of the most exciting projects that I've done or one that I'm very very proud of is um, the installation I did for my exhibition at the Fort Wayne Museum in, in America in Fort Wayne um, Fort Wayne Indiana uh, it's called perception and the installation is about how when 50 people go to the Antarctic, they're all looking at the same thing, but they all have seen different things. So we all perceive differently. We look at some, something or we listen to something, but we are programmed individually by our background, our education, uh, where we come from, who our parents were, uh, our education, um, our taste, uh, our interests, you know, the, the friends we have, the families, the church we go to, or the temple, or, you know, or not believers. Um, so we, we are all kind of programmed, if you like. We all are wired slightly differently. So when we look at an exhibition, we all look at the same painting, but we don't see the same painting. We see something different. And the same, of course, goes for sculpture. So what I did is I made one shape, one sculpture, and I had it executed in four different pieces of glass 
um, in chrome, in bronze, in white marble, in black marble, in aluminum, aluminium, uh, in painted aluminium, in so 14 different stones, glass, metals, but all the same shape, exactly the same shape. And I put them in one big space and they look like they are put in randomly. So they're, they're not all pointing in the same direction. They're all turned a little bit. Some are a little bit higher up than others. So it, it, it looks very random, but it's not random at all. And there's one place in the room, in a corner. If you stand in that corner, you can see all of them at the same time. But it's the only place you can do that. But in east, in 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 the form, there's a hole, like a like a keyhole almost. Yeah. And so you you don't just see that one sculpture; you look through it as well. So you see a background too, and the background is different every time. It was my way of saying we can all look at the same form, at the same sculpture but we all see something different. For, for instance, when, when you look at, it, at, at, a, at a form like that and it's made in clear crystal, it's, it's translucent, but at the same time, it's also giving you an, an, an optical delusion because the glass works as, a, as, an, as an optical instrument almost. Now, if you make the same thing in chrome, uh, all of a sudden, it's also doing something optical because it's reflecting everything that's around you. But you yourself are also reflected in it. And then when you, when you see the same in, uh, for instance, in white marble, it, the marble is so kind of, has such a virgin quality. It's so untouched, if you like. I think that's why the, the Taj Mahal was built, you know, because it, it has that purity, beautiful purity. So every material, I mean, the, the painted aluminium one looks like a race car because it's got a beautiful sparkling blue paint, you know what I mean? So, so, yeah. Every every different one gives you a different emotion, but it's your emotion, which is from who you are and your experience, you see. So the, the best proof that I got that that installation actually was successful was that people walked outside and I spoke to them and I asked them, what did you think of the installation? And they would say, oh, all these sculptures are beautiful. And I would say, did you notice that they are all the same shape? And people would say, no. And they would actually go back to check if, if, if it was true. But they were all the same shape, just one shape. So it's very interesting how different our perception is and how we even can be tricked in our perception just by different colors, different materials, 
you know, all of that. And and uh, that, that to me was a very, very uh, important installation. And then, yes, I'm proud That's of That's a very that deep one. thought that you've put <laughs> behind it. And I must say it's a very great, it's a great project. And the way you passionately speak about your work, um, I want to ask that how has this pursuit transformed you internally? Like how have you evolved over the years? What I can say to you in all honesty is that I have understood that there is no different way for me than to speak through my art. And uh, my art is a reflection of me because it comes from my hands, from my heart and from my head and belly. And um, what, what I get back um, is, in, is an ongoing, hmm, it's, it's, a, it's a growing understanding of myself and what matters and how I translate that into form. But it doesn't mean that I'm that I'm necessarily becoming better or anything like that. It's just that it's just that I am uh, always intrigued. I'm always interested in what is the next thing I'm going to make. You know, because it's all very intuitive and I, I trust the intuitive process. I also feel that when I work, it's not just me. I, I feel that I'm a channel, if you like, uh, for other ideas, for other creations that just come through me. So it's not just, it's not just my hands it's it's you know it's more than that yes and is there something you really like wish to experience as an artist at this point of time or like do you have any goal set up for yourself yes i always have goals um but the goals are like uh the goals are like fantasies or dreams that I would like to realize. So, to give you an example, I would like to make an outdoor sculpture that's 10 meters tall, you know, 30 feet, 33 feet tall. Um, I would like to create a building in which I would combine stone, possibly granite, with cast glass that would create uh, just a space where you can go in and just be quiet. You know, just sit and, and, uh, and be with yourself and with creation. Maybe, maybe a space of self-reflection and uh, self-healing. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I would 
like to do larger installations and work with more different materials. But I also would like to work another 30 years as a sculptor. So. <laughs> you will, you will. I'm, I'm sure. So I have to become very old. And since you're an avid traveler, uh, is there any trip that you're longing to take? Yes, for one, I would like to go back and see my girlfriend in America because I haven't seen her for more than six months. <laughs> um, I, I would love to see all the countries of the world. Uh, some are more important to me than others, are higher up on the list. But uh, yes, so there are places in the world that I would love to visit. Beautiful. I'm... And there are people that Beautiful. I would love to meet. Yeah, you know. welcome into India first. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're on my yeah. list. Yeah, so we went a slightly tangential and off topic. So coming back, while we talk about the concepts and creative aspect, um, I think art should ultimately make money for a living, right? So I would like to know that uh, how did you sell artworks or like back projects in your initial days? I'll tell you a funny story. My very, very first object that I made uh, was a lamp, a small light object. And uh, I went to my barber to get a haircut. And the guy had a very modern shop, beautiful, very, very nice. He had a lot of eye for, uh, for design and, and, and all of that. And I thought my, my lamp would, would look really good in his interior. So I told him about it. And uh, I explained a little bit how it looked and all of that. And after he was done cutting my hair, I said, so how much do I owe you? And he said, well, why don't you go and, and, and get your lamp so I can have a look at it? Maybe I want to buy it. And that's exactly what he did. And then he had a colleague and the colleague saw that, that lamp that he had and said, oh, I love this. I, I want one too. And the colleague actually bought seven over, over time in, in three or four years. So to bring your work to the people you have to be active. You have to talk about it. You have to show it. So, so if you have an opportunity to do an exhibition, do it. You know, I, I still do a lot of exhibitions now, but I've always done a lot of exhibitions. Um, I find to make work and to just have it in your own studio and not to show it to other people is, I'll say it in a kind way, I think it's egoistic and egotistical. Because to, to create art, to have a certain talent, um, 
comes with a responsibility. If you're talented and you're not using your talents, what good are they to you? And what good are they to society or, or to the world? So, um, it's still, it, listen, it's a struggle. It's not easy to sell your work. It's not easy to make money from your art and to build a career. It, it really, it asks for a lot of dedication. Um, but uh, in, in my opinion, if you do what you love to do and people appreciate what you do, hey, how good can it get, you know? And, and they're willing to buy your work and give you money for it so you can make more work and more traveling and all of that. That is fantastic. That's wonderful. But I think you have to be, sometimes you have to be bold and you have to be brave enough and, and not be shy about showing your work and not feel too frustrated or hurt if people say, I don't like it. Because you can't please yeah. everybody. Absolutely, you know? I agree with that. And it is a very important piece of advice that you gave. And could you tell us uh, about any art piece that you're currently working on? I'm, I'm currently working on an outdoor sculpture uh, for a collector in Berlin. Um, it, it's a complicated, it's not complicated in shape, but it's complicated for me because it's... Uh, I really like the collector and I want to make something very special for him. So I'm... Sometimes I know instantly what I'm going to make. Sometimes it's, it takes a longer time. It, it's a process. And uh, I'm right now, I'm actually in the... I just moved house and studio. I'm, uh, I'm in the middle of, of uh, building my studio so it's best suitable for me, for my work, for photography, for packing, for... All the aspects that are part of of uh, the work that I do, and um, so I have not been able to create any sculptures since the first of February, and uh, that's becoming yeah. difficult for me. You know, I I, <laughs> I feel I'm I'm not uh, doing what I like to do best, but I think by the end of next week I should be able to be back in my studio and, and working on this commission. Uh, I'm actually, and this commission is also part of this, I, my, my latest body of work is called uh, the Vibrational yes. Series. And it's about, you, you saw it on my website, it's about vibration, it's um, about energy and how we have energy between us, how we are energized or getting tired or, or you know, how exciting, interesting and inspiring things give us energy, how being in love gives us high energy, you know, but in this time of COVID, many people feel down and, and depressed and they have low energy and they're, if you like, their wave is is low. You know, <laughs> it's not a it's not a high vibration. It's slow and low. And um, 
so I find um, the vibrational series are, are kind of, if you like, they are inspired by the time that we are in right now. Um, but I always like to be positive. So they, most of the pieces are, are high vibration, but sometimes they are very quiet. They're very kind of, um, I would say, uh, meditative, if you like. Beautiful. Uh, all your work is really wonderful and we would love to see your upcoming work. And um, like earlier you mentioned that with talent comes responsibility. So as an artist, how do you feel that, what is the role of artist in today's times? Well, like I, like I told you earlier, in, in, in my own personal view, I feel very strong about creating things of beauty. You know, there's, a, there's the, there's the well-known saying, uh, beauty is a joy forever, you know, and, and uh, some people say a dirty mind is a joy forever, which, which I would also agree with, but you know, uh, I think beauty is, there is so much beauty around us, but we are so good in covering it up. You know, when you look at uh, pollution and you look at, uh, you know, we live in these big cities where there's not enough nature, you know, and uh, we forget to see the little flowers that, that grow between the pave, you know, the stones in the pavement, you know. Uh, so beauty can fill your heart. Beauty can uplift you. And uh, I am not saying that every artist should create things of beauty because you, you can create work that is uh, for instance, that has a, a, a strong social message, you know, or can be critical of, of society, yeah. critical of politics, critical of, of uh, people's ideas and, and uh, of, of what people say, what they express. So yes, there's, there's many many things that art can do. Like I said, art is communication, you know, and, and yeah. but it's, it's everybody's, it's every artist's own responsibility, what they want to do, what they want to say, you know, with their, with their art. Yeah, beautiful. I would keep listening to you, but like we are running short of time and, uh... To end with, uh, I would say that it was a very thought-provoking and a very beautiful conversation, I feel. And there are a lot of life insights to take more than art. And I thank you for this. I really enjoyed this conversation and thank you for joining us. I enjoyed your questions very much. And uh, I wish you guys very good, very best of luck and, uh, and good health for India. I wish good health for the yeah, whole world, right. but especially in the I know you're struggling very much with Corona and uh, so blessings to you all and uh, thank you very much for this thank podcast. you so much I wish you all the best for all your future endeavors and have a nice day thank you congratulations to all of you who made it till the end thank you for listening to this episode and I really hope you liked it 
If you did, please leave us a review on our YouTube comment section. And if you come up with any questions while listening to this podcast, you can add a comment on Instagram or YouTube and we will get back to you and help you as much as possible. You can find us on Instagram or our website by the name arttown.store. So do connect with us. We're truly excited to converse with you.